We are here today to give thanks to God for the harvest. Uh, God has given us the most astonishingly generous gift. Yesterday, um, a group of us went for a circular walk around the town of Clare. Um, we're so privileged. The Suffolk countryside is beautiful and it's abundant. And, and I know that some people and some people here are really struggling. But as a rule, we have so much. Few of us, if any here, will have known starvation. The only times in my life that I've gone hungry are by choice. Uh, and most of us really do have genuine choices about what we do with some of our money. Yes, the rent or the mortgage, the electricity and the food bills need paying, but most of us have at least a little at the end of the week or month to buy, or, or, or to buy something that we don't need, something that is not essential. And we've got a pretty good system of public services, of education, the National Health Service. We know who we can turn to when we're sick. Uh, and, and although recession and austerity has badly affected large numbers of people, overall, and looking at the big picture, we have here enjoyed an unprecedented period of economic growth and political stability under a rule of law. And today we have so much more stuff and so many more choices than our parents or grandparents had. It is an astonishing gift. Now the passage that we've, Alwyn's just read to us was written to a people who are about to be given a mega gift. They're in the desert, the people of Israel are. God has brought them out of Egypt where they've been slaves. It was one of the biggest refugee movements the ancient world ever saw. And God is bringing them to the home that he promised them. But to get from Egypt to that home, they need to go through a desert. And they've been in that desert for 40 years. And I quote, it's not a good place to be. It is vast and dreadful. It is thirsty and waterless. It's inhabited by venomous snakes and scorpions. And they've been out of their depth, metaphorically and literally. On one occasion, God has led them through the sea on foot. There have been times when they've not known where the next meal or the next sip of water is going to come from. And at times, they've been simply overwhelmed. I'm told that J.F. Kennedy had a plaque on his desk in the White House and it said, O oh God, thy sea is so great, and my boat is so small. After our experience of a boat trip to the Aran Islands in a 4-7 gale, I know that experience. And that is, no doubt, how they felt. And they've also begun to experience that when we go through those periods in our life, when we're overwhelmed or find ourselves in a vast and dreadful desert, then we're open to receive a gift. Because it's at those times that we've got nobody, nothing else that we can turn to. 
And we have to trust one who is bigger than ourselves, who is outside of ourselves. And when we do that, we see God at work. And he leads us as he leads them through the desert. And in that time of testing, as they were going through the desert, they discovered that God led them, that God provided for them. He provided for them this thing called this... this they, they, they were hungry and they had no food, and suddenly in the desert, this sort of dew-like substance appeared on the ground in the morning, um, and they found it was edible, and it sustained them, and they called it manna. Manna is an incredibly technical term. It means literally... What is it? What is it? So they suddenly had this thing and they saw this man and they said, what is it? And during that time, they learned that life really is not just about the food that we put in our mouths, but it's about the food that we put into our souls. It's about the stuff that we use not only to feed our body, but the stuff we use to feed our mind and our heart. And they've learned, and there's a famous verse, that people do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's interesting how we learn stuff about ourselves and learn stuff about God when we go through it, when we're out of our depth. Perhaps as we come together to give thanks to God for the good things in life, it's also good to give him thanks for the hard times in life. George Matheson, he died in 1906. He was a Scottish preacher and hymn writer. And he wrote a hymn, O oh, love that wilt not let me go. He was also blind. And on one occasion, he prayed this prayer. My God, I have never thanked you for my thorns. I have thanked you a thousand times for my roses, but not once for my thorns. I've been looking forward to a world where I shall get compensation for my cross, but I never thought of my cross itself as a present glory. Teach me the glory of my cross. Teach me the value of my thorn. Show me that I have climbed to you by the path of pain. And then this last line, and I love it, he says, show me that my tears have made my rainbow. But now, says Moses to the people of Israel, you're about to enter the land God has prepared for you. It's an amazing gift. Moses would make a brilliant estate agent in what he's about to say, although it wasn't difficult to sell this particular plot. It was a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. He says to them, you're going to eat and be satisfied. But, he says, and remember this before it happens, when you get wealthy, you have a choice. You can take the gift and forget God. 
In your abundance, there is a danger that you will grow proud. You will think that what you have is yours because you've worked for it and because you deserve it. He says you can do that. You can become proud. Or, he says, you can recognize that everything you have is gift, an undeserved gift, and you can praise the one who gave it to you. Pride or praise. My generation has been materially blessed. We have so much. And we have chosen to take the gift and forget the God who gave it to us. We think we deserve our prosperity. We think that all this stuff and much more is ours because we're wise and hardworking and we've got good standards. It's actually quite a useful way of looking at things. It means that we can justify being a have in a world of have-nots. If people are poor, they obviously deserve to be poor. They must be lazy or wicked or foolish or probably all three. And I can keep what I have for myself. Do you know wealth and pride are like two star-struck lovers? Pride looks at wealth and says, I have won you by my brilliance. And wealth looks at pride and says, I am your prize. And as the lovers gaze at each other, there's no place for God. When I was at theological college, we had a young man spend a term with us. He was from East Germany. His name was Alex, and he was training to be a Lutheran pastor. He told us that when he was younger, he was a member of the communist youth organization and went on camp. And one day they went into the canteen and sat down and in front of them were empty plates. And the youth leader said, today we're going to ask God for food. She said a prayer. The plates remained empty. You see, she said, we asked God and God has not provided. But now the food will be provided by the workers from so-and-so farm and prepared by our team of caterers. So why pray? This is all the work of our own hands. And the food appeared. I can't help feeling that in our pride we miss the point. Who gave us this world in the first place? Who gave us seeds and plants and cattle? Who gave us life? What did you do to deserve to be born when you were, to whom you were, where you were, with the gifts that you have? And who gives us the ability to produce wealth? Verse 18 tells us here, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. My prayer is that those of you who are younger will not make the same mistake that my generation has made. My prayer is that you will turn back to God, that you will recognize that all that you have is undeserved gift. It comes from God. It doesn't actually belong to you. It belongs to him, but he's given it to you and to us for delight and enjoyment. 
That means it is a sacred gift. It is to be received with gratitude, with an awesome sense of responsibility, with praise. That's why we're here today, to say thank you. That's why it's a really good thing, and I would encourage you to do this, to say grace before meals. Grace is just a a very simple prayer. It can be as simple as this. Lord Jesus, thank you for this food we're about to eat. Amen. As simple as that. Or perhaps it could be as simple as the grace that um, one of our children, I will remain nameless, used to pray um, uh, when they were a bit younger, which was, Jesus, thank you, amen. (laughs) And I know it will feel awkward to begin with, but saying thank you to God is a really good habit to get into. One mum said to a guest at dinner, We say grace at dinner each day to remind us around here that there is something bigger than our egos. Prayer is about recognizing that all things, not just food, are the gift of God. Some students were given an assignment and they were asked to list the seven great wonders of the world, or seven wonders of the world. They came up after a lot of discussion with the Great Pyramids, Taj Mahal, Grand Canyon, Panama Canal, Victoria Falls, St. Paul's Basilica, China's Great Wall. One student, however, a quiet girl, said nothing. They asked her, and she just said, well, there are so many. She said, I can't make up my mind. So they said to her, well, tell us what you've written and we'll help. And so with some hesitancy, she began to say, My my seven wonders of the world are to touch, to taste, to see, to hear, to run, to laugh, and to love. G.K. Chesterton said, you say grace before meals, all right, but I say grace. Grace simply means thank you, recognizing that all we have comes as a gift from God. I say grace before the concert and the opera, and grace before the play and pantomime, and grace before I open a book, and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. Those of you who are American have got one thing really right. I'm only going to admit that there is one thing. You have a national Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving for your founding fathers and mothers. Thanksgiving for your land and your people and your harvest. It was declared in 1863 by Lincoln that it would be a day for thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And you've got that right. And when we give thanks for something, several things follow. We recognize there is one who is so much bigger than us and on whom we are in complete dependence on. We recognize that God does love us and delights to give us good things and that even when we don't have stuff, we can still trust him. 
and we recognise that we do not deserve this and all that we have. Life itself is complete gift. And there is one final thing. If we do not receive the material blessings which we can see and touch and feel and smell, if we don't receive them as a gift from God, if we think we can take them for granted because they're the consequence of some astonishing set of cosmic coincidences, or because we've done something to deserve them, then we're never going to be ready to receive the bigger gift that God longs to give us. And that gift is actually far more precious than all of this. It's a gift that will take us through death into life. It's the gift of God's word and his promises, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of the invitation to become a child of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's presence to come and live in us and guide us and be with us and strengthen us, the gift of an eternal destiny, the gift of deep and intimate friendship with the person of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And if we begin to learn today to receive the material gifts from God as a gift with gratitude and trust, then one day, and I hope that many of you have already done this, one day we will be ready to receive the treasure of the spiritual gift that he truly longs to give to each one of us. So we pray, Father, thank you for the many gifts you give us. Thank you for your kindness and your generosity. Thank you we can trust you in the hard times and in the good times. Thank you for your love. And thank you for all the gifts that you long to give us. Amen.